Hello, I'm Aaron Lohr, and this is the Endocrine News Podcast. Fructose is sweeter than glucose and is often added to processed foods as a sweetener, commonly in the form of high fructose corn syrup. Some studies suggest that fructose consumption may be associated with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and some new research recently presented at Endo addresses this issue. The abstract is titled, Fructose Consumption and Non-Alcoholic Fatty Liver Disease in U.S. Adult Population of NHANES 1718. Those of you who don't know, NHANES is the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. Joining us is one of the authors of that abstract, Dr. Theodore Friedman. He is the Chair of Internal Medicine at Charles R. Drew University of Medicine and Science in California and Professor of Medicine at UCLA. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for taking interest in our abstract, and I'm happy to talk a little bit more about it. Wonderful. Let's go ahead and jump in. So what is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and what do we know about its causes and prevalence? Okay, so non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is a common disease. It's growing in epidemiology in the United States and worldwide, and it's related to obesity and diabetes. So as our society gets more overweight and more higher rates of diabetes, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is going up dramatically. It seems like it's at least two or three times what it was 10 or 20 oh, years ago. Oh, my goodness. And non-alcoholic fatty liver disease can lead to non-alcoholic steatohepatitis or NASH, which can also lead to cirrhosis. And many of these people are going to require a liver transplant. It's thought that the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease progression to NASH is going to surpass viral hepatitis as a leading cause of liver transplant hmm. in the United States. Now, you may ask, why is this important at the end of society meeting? So non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is really an endocrine condition. It's so tied in with metabolism and diabetes and obesity. It's not just a liver disease. It's really a metabolic disease. So that's why I'm interested, and that's why I'm here at the Energy Society to talk about it. Also fascinating is the linkage we're finding with fructose consumption. Mm -hmm. So your study looks at that. Uh, can you give us an idea, just in general, how much fructose are we consuming? Okay. So we're consuming a lot. It's estimated it's about 15 grams a day. It's going up. And what we did in our studies, we divided people into low fructose consumption, which was less than 9 grams, and greater than, than the middle consumption, 9 to 23 grams, and then greater than 23 grams. So okay. we divided those people, and we found that people are consuming, especially the minority people, Hispanics and African Americans, are consuming higher rates of fructose than Caucasian people are. Why don't you break down your study for me? What did you, what did you do? The prior NHANES, and as you mentioned, it's a large database. I think it has 80,000 people. The prior database was from 1988 to 1994. It's called NHANES 3. And it was used for thousands of papers. It was this great database. People looked at it. But, you know, now we're 30 years to 30 some odd years later mm -hmm. from it. And in that uh, database, it divided people into whites, blacks, and Hispanics and others. Then the years went by. And in 2017, 2018, they, were, they had another database, looked at those years, actually it was released in about 2020, so about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And that, even larger, that had an advantage of dividing people into whites, blacks, Mexican-Americans, and other Hispanics and other races. Okay. So it was a big, a big change. In the 1988 to 1994 database, it was found that this non-alcoholic fatty liver disease was higher in Hispanics. Mm -hmm. And that was known as a health disparity. It was actually lower in blacks. 
So about three years ago, my colleagues and I applied for a grant from National Institutes of Minority Health and Health Disparities, NIMHD, to look at a health disparity. And the one we were really interested in was this hepatic steatosis and why is it so much more common in the Hispanic population at that time was thought so. And why is it less common in the blacks? Okay. And is this a problem? You know, what, so, you know, so what if these uh, Mexican Americans have it? You know, so is that a problem? And what, what's causing it? I think we really wanted to try to get out the etiology of it. Mm-hmm. So it turned out once the second database got released in 2017, 2018, we analyzed it in 2020 and published a paper on it. It was not the Hispanics but in general that had this high rate of hepatic steatosis, but it was only the Mexican-Americans. The other Hispanics, such as Puerto Ricans and Haitians and Cubans that are probably more common in Florida, New York, California, and Texas, you see most of the Hispanics are Mexican-Americans. But throughout the country, there's a, you know, a, a divergence of what, mm-hmm. where the Hispanics come from. And it turned out the other Hispanics are not Mexican-Americans did not have this health disparity. It was only the Mexican-American. So that really uh, piqued our interest. We published that about two years ago in Hepatology Communications. It was a really good article. And we also have two more abstracts here at uh, the Anderson Society that I'll briefly mention before we go into our main sure. study here. Is we looked at the next disease, NASH, and we looked at fibrosis. They did not have that health disparity. So the sort of the good news, I mean, you always want to paint bad news and good news. The bad <laughs> yeah. news is getting more common. The good news, and it's bad news that it's in this minority population, the Mexican-Americans, but it doesn't seem to be progressing. So the Mexican-Americans did not have more NASH or fibrosis, the more later stages. So I think that's also an important sort of negative finding, that at least it's limited, at least from our data so far. So we're trying to figure out why the Mexican-Americans in the United States have this high rate of non-alcohol fatty liver disease. And you can think of obviously things, genetics, their diet, their exercise, their lifestyle, their medicines they take. Maybe they're overweight. So all those things we're looking at and all those things are important. Mm -hmm. But in this study, we specifically wanted to look at the fructose consumption. And what we did is we had the, the we didn't do the um, survey that hands people did, asked these people lots and lots of questions, including what kind of foods they eat. Mm-hmm. So they were, able to, they were able to figure out the different categories of food, and we were able to derive from it how much fructose they consumed, and then from what types of foods that fructose was. So it turned out they consume on the average about 15 grams a day. And I was a little surprised. You asked me, you're going to ask me the question, what was I surprised about? One mm-hmm. is the majority of the fructose was from foods especially things like cakes and cookies and processed foods. A good percentage of it still, when we have the Coca-Cola Museum right down the road, um, <laughs> is from sodas. And somebody asked me in one of my sessions, the session, are you going to go visit the Coca-Cola Museum? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> so um, that makes it a little local for Atlanta here. So right. a lot, so good percentage is in sodas. And then there was also th- fruit, which for the fructose and fruit is probably good for you because the fiber in the fruit helps prevent some of the detrimental effects of the fructose uh. in, in, the, in the cells and in the liver. So the fructose itself is probably, and the food, fruit is not so bad, but a lot in foods. Some and other beverages besides sodas. You know, you people are drinking all these Gatorade types of drinks yes. that have tons and tons of high fructose corn syrup in it. So we did find that the Mexican Americans had a higher rate of consuming fructose, and they had a higher rate of hepatic steatosis. So then by trying to adjust for things, we try to figure out are these two related? And our conclusion was they're related in some degree. So the high fructose consumption of the Mexican Americans is it correlated? It's, again, it's not causal; it's just correlation. Okay. It was correlated with the higher rates of hepatic steatosis. But it presented, we think about 10% of the hepatic steatosis they're getting is from their fructose. 
If you look at sort of all the other things we adjusted for, it was a little less. So part of it is they consume more of high fructose corn syrup and fructose. They're more overweight. They have more central obesity. And that itself leads to the hepatic steatosis. Mm -hmm. So some of these are sort of interrelated. The high fructose is related to the body composition. And that, when you look at the body composition and their demographics, that explains more of this health disparity than just the fructose consumption. So overall, we feel that fructose consumption is bad. It does lead to this non-alcohol fatty liver disease. Why does it do that? That, it probably causes the, the liver to make more fat. It's called de novo lipogenesis. It causes different pathways of the glucose metabolism to change the fructose, cord, uh, the high fructose corn syrup and fructose interferes with some of these metabolisms. It causes less of the liver to secrete the fats. It causes more fat in your abdomen. That fat in your abdomen contributes to more of the uh, liver getting the fat. So it's all these things that contribute. We're trying to tease them out more. There's certainly some genetic factors that seem to predispose certain people to the uh, non-alcohol fatty liver disease that we're trying to uh, understand. Okay, so for those who are like me, maybe listening, who might want to consider not consuming quite so much fructose, and it's not just in apples and bananas and such. Like, how could we do a better job? Right. So I think part of that is to eat what's natural. I tell my patients that are overweight, you know, try to look at something that grows from the ground. So fruit, you know, it has fructose in it, but it's, it's healthy fructose. Fruits, vegetables, things that grow from the ground, you can't go wrong with. Mm -hmm. Things that have a lot of ingredients, you look on them, look on the labels, there's high fructose corn syrup in the top three ingredients. Mm. Those are the things you want to stay. Anything that has sort of sugar, there's a whole bunch of names for this, you know, there's, our, our, you know, sugar and um, fructose, it's called high fructose corn syrup, but there's, they try to name the subtle, subtle names that might be a little bit off. Anything that has the, you know, some type of sugar in the top, three or four ingredients I would try to stay away from. And this includes, for example, ketchup and barbecue sauce. Mm. It's like the second ingredient. You know, there's more There's more high fructose corn syrup than there's tomatoes in something like barbecue sauce and ketchup. So I think the smart consumer looks at the labels, try to do things as much natural as you can, things that grow from the ground and not that have a million uh, chemicals by, you know, in the, in the label ingredient things. And I think cut down on your sodas also. I'm going to have to find some natural barbecue sauces. Yeah. There's some of them, right. <laughs> yeah. But there's not many of them. It's hard no, to find. unfortunately, yeah. no, there's not. Yeah. So I know Make this, your own, maybe. There, yeah, I, I would be happy to try that. Yeah. So I know this is only opening more doors to me to mm -hmm. explore later. How might your findings influence or impact patient care or even future research down the road? Mm -hmm. So I think, first of all, is this recognition about this whole disease, you know? People with diabetes are very common to have. People who overweight have this very commonly. You know, the question is, how do you screen for this? Do you just measure liver tests? They're not that reliable. There's a test called liver elastrography, which is what the NHANES use to document this. Mm -hmm. It's becoming more widely used, but still not that widely used. So I think we should, we need to screen for this more, especially in the Mexican-American population. Then we got to try to work on more intervention. So lifestyle changes, diet, exercise, it's really the hallmark of this disease. And again, as our study showed, eating healthy foods, natural foods, Studies have shown the Mediterranean diet, for example, mm. is quite helpful reversing this. So, you know, having a good diet, being aware of it, and then realizing that this can lead to, uh, you know, other liver diseases is uh, down the road is, I think, the crucial message. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and spending with us to show and share your wonderful research here for Bendo and to maybe, you know, help us along right. the line to think about what we're, what we're eating and drinking. Right. So I love Endo. This is my 32nd meeting. Oh. I've come since 1990, which the first one was in Atlanta. Wow. So it's, I've come a full circle here. Um, and <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, you know, with the pandemic, you thought about, should I stay home and do it virtually? And no, I'm really glad I came. Yeah. For those of you who are listening, you might not know, this is the first in-person Endo that we've done in three years because yeah. of the, the pandemic. So it was 2019. I think in New Orleans. Right. So a lot of us around here were just kind of giddy. We're, we're excited to be back and, and seeing people and 
even just doing a podcast with a person not on on Zoom is kind of a real treat. And this has been a real treat. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay. Thank you so much, Aaron. And that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dr. Friedman discuss his research. We're always on the lookout for fascinating new endocrine research and exciting innovations to spotlight on the podcast. Maybe you have a great idea for a feature on a future episode. Please let me know by emailing us at podcast at endocrine.org. Until next time, thanks for listening. Endocrine News Podcasts are a free service of the Endocrine Society. To learn more or to become a member, visit the Society's website at www.endocrine.org.